Hi, welcome to Loitering. It's a podcast about the art you can't get over. I'm Mandy. I'm Justine. And today we are talking about our second Mike Schur Greg Daniels project. That I Does anyone know? Come on, guess. It's an interactive podcast. Text your answer to five zero four four five. Side note on that, my dad did like ask if he could call in, and I was like, <laughs> it's not like that. <laughs> he can, through Anchor, leave us a voice message. Oh, cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. voice messages on Anchor. I don't know how that can happen. I think he was envisioning calling in and arguing with us like on air oh, about like, something, like talk radio. <laughs> do, do we want to like stage a Hello? Oh, hi. <laughs> How are you today? Anyway, it's Parks and Rec. We're talking about Parks and Rec. <laughs> Waiting for the phone call that'll never come. I was looking at my phone for something. I was like, what am I looking for? Um, yeah, we're talking about Parks and Rec. It's a show on NBC. It's one of those classic NBC sitcoms. Um, let's just find the year that it came out. Parks and Rec. When you just when you just type in Parks into Google, it's like, are you talking about the hit Netflix or the hit NBC show Parks and Rec? Sure am. I am. It first aired on April 9th, two thousand nine. The final episode was February twenty fourth, twenty fifteen. So that's two days from now, five years ago. Yeah. Also three days before my birthday. Wow. Damn. Yeah, it's created by Michael Schur. And Greg Daniels, also creators of The Office, or Greg Daniels created The Office, and Mike Sure was a writer on it. Mm-hmm. Stars Leslie, Amy Poehler, Leslie Knope, yes. A lot of actors came out of Parks and Rec the same way that they did The Office. Yes. So people who got their start on Parks and Rec are like Nick Offerman, the guy who plays Andy. Yeah. Why am I blanking on his name? That's who I was thinking of. Chris. Too. It's a Chris. It's one of the Chris's. Yeah. Of the Marvel, in the Marvel Universe, sometimes Joanne and I like to play this game, is the actor we're talking about in Marvel, and you can name any actor, and the answer is always yes. Chris, Chris <laughs> Pratt. Pratt. Yeah. Chris Pratt. There's also Chris Hemsworth. Mm-hmm. Chris, some, there's like four Chris's in Marvel. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's not what we're talking about. Aubrey Plaza, Retta. Yes. Aziz Ansari. We already said Nick Offerman. Adam Scott already had a like a Yeah, so did Rob Lowe. Yeah. But revived Rob Lowe in an interesting yeah, way, for yeah. sure. Made him accessible to like the millennials. Yeah. yeah. Boy is he accessible in this. Oh He's my such God. a lovable character in Parks so and Rec. So fun. And Anne. Anne Perkins. Anne Perkins. Anne Perkins. <laughs> I, when I started watching The Office, I was like, I just can't see that that woman as anything other than Rosita yes. Jones or Anne Perkins. Yes. It's really interesting because I think you can tell um, who watched The Office first and who watched Parks and Rec first mm-hmm. based on how they feel about Rashida Jones. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I So I was watching Parks and Rec when it was on, maybe... I started watching in college, so it was like my version of The Office, mm-hmm. where I, it was the thing that I became familiar with for that kind of type of comedy. Right. Um, and kind of like the workplace comedy, too. Yeah, like that really heightened workplace comedy, the mockumentary style for sure. Right. Um, in that kind of ensemble, yeah, I, I'm thinking now that like... The, definitely not the first sitcom to do this because like Cheers existed or like even the Mary Tyler Moore show with like a cast of characters yes. in a comedy work like a workplace comedy mm-hmm. um, but it was at least like my first as an adult exposure to that yeah yeah and I do think that it like changed the workplace comedy in mm-hmm. a way so did I mean The Office as well yeah into like more of like a family sort of yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you see that with Cheers, too, but just by virtue of being a bar, it's, like, a little bit less uh-huh. formal anyway. Yeah, it's know. a little more familial <laughs> in yeah. that way. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I I also like that the office was this like corporate uh office place and there was talk about like um sales and revenue and like corporate the corporate office and the executives and like board meetings and all this stuff and Parks and Rec is set in like a Local, local government, government which i love which I, I love, love the small so town much. midwesternness yes. of parks and rec more so than anything much. and i think that small townness really is felt a lot more than it is in uh the office absolutely yeah there are scenes in the office where there are like palm trees in the background right or they're like in the mountains but it's clearly like california mountains and not pennsylvania yeah. Mount- like they're two very different yeah um and Scranton is like, Scranton, do Electric City. Like, it's definitely, yeah. like, a big part of the show. But Pawnee is a part of the yes. show in a way. I've never really seen, like, a town yeah. office sort of situation. Like, oh, I just love it so much. Yes. It's very relatable in a lot of ways. It and I, is. I think one of those ways is the fact that this, like, they have a very wide pool of extras Mm-hmm. that just keep coming back and so there's that yeah. one lady who's like the very very outwardly conservative christian woman who's like yes we can't have marsha and mitchell yes <laughs> yes and whose husband is clearly gay like, very gay yeah. yeah yeah just like or like the guy who always thinks it's the end of the world mm-hmm. um just sue from sue's salad yes um who else I the like douche I, I, ira and the douche <laughs> Nick Kroll. Yeah. That was maybe the world's introduction to Nick Kroll. Did the League start before Parks and Rec? Oh, maybe. I have not seen the League. I really like the League. The League is not as popular as Parks and Rec. I wouldn't say so. Uh Some things I'm like, I don't know if I just didn't watch it or if it wasn't like on the radar, the big cultural radar. I think that the League is um, a little bit more like vulgar and yes. kind of like a dude's dude show. It's not an NBC It's not show. like a family show. No. So Parks and Rec, I think just by virtue of being like, you know, catering mm-hmm. to a wider audience had yeah. more. Yeah. Just like a good, warm sitcom. I feel like Parks and Rec was the show where I first started to, to notice like the mechanics of a sitcom. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have a little bit of a hard time rewatching the beginning of Parks and Rec mm -hmm. in a similar way that I do to The Office because I think that there's something similar going on with Leslie Nope's character that happens with Michael Scott's character in that at first the people around her that work with Leslie don't like her. Mm -hmm. Like she's way too over the top. Like she's really like a boss lady who's not super respected or liked who's always like making jokes that don't land and kind of is awkward and it's hard to see her that way because she transforms into this like powerhouse super lovable wonderful character that you just like connect to so hard and that happens pretty quickly yeah throughout the show it's also important to note that um the first the first season of parks and rec started during the writer's strike uh-huh. Um, oh, that's a really good note. Yeah. Which is the, the fourth season of The Office, mm-hmm. which is why in the fourth season of The Office, you get, like, hour-long episodes. Right. It's because there wasn't anything on TV, so they just yeah. had the full hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's, like, fewer episodes in that fourth season. Um, yeah, I'm really, like... The writer's strike is something that affected TV in a really interesting way. It did. That year, I know the the fourth season of Lost also only has 14 episodes. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, um, it's interesting to see what creators who are, like, on TV but don't have a staff to work with are able to put out yeah, in, that, yeah. in that time. Um, yeah, so the first season of Parks and Rec started during the writer's strike. And I think there's only, like, 10 episodes or something. It's mm-hmm. a small number um it, yeah and they hadn't quite hit that stride with Leslie's character right although I, I kind of like Leslie's character that first season I do too it's just hard for me like to see the way other people relate to her because uh-huh. it's like they don't realize how amazing she is yes it's like damn it. I yeah I kind of think there are some there are some characters who always respond to her that way throughout the course of the show and then there are others who 
change their sentiments. Like, I think Ron is a good example of, like, he always thinks she's over the top. Right. He always is, like, you are way too enthusiastic about this. Yes, yes. Um... But Ron really comes into himself as a character. He does. He does. And I really want to talk about the Leslie and Ron relationship. Yes. And I think it's going to keep coming up throughout the conversation. But I really relate to their relationship. It reminds me a lot of my relationship with my older brother. Uh Because he reminds me a lot of Ron. Yeah. I can see that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just in like, I don't want to say like gruff, but like not super bubbly and... Almost yeah. like a father figure. In in the show, Ron mm-hmm. is definitely like a father figure, I think. Yeah. So, I guess just for some context, mm-hmm. if you haven't seen the show before, I, I there are people out there, I'm sure. It's focused on the Parks and Recreation Department of a small town in, in Pawnee, Indiana, which I, is kind of supposed to be like southern Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um and Ron is the head of the department, Ron Swanson. Mm-hmm. He's a like a manly man. He lives he's kind of the Dwight equivalent in I think ish, yeah, but like more respected. Yeah, he he does woodworking and he like lives out in the woods and he's off the grid mm-hmm. and he um like fi- well every time there's a scene at someone else's house, he's always like fixing something at their house. Yes. Um and the the person directly under him in the department, uh, in the hierarchy, is Leslie Nope, who's kind of the main character. His deputy director. His deputy director, mm-hmm. yes. Um, I think also part of why I like the show so much is my parents are both government employees. Yeah, wow. And they, they work for the federal government, but they still work in a small town in West Virginia. And so there's just a lot of like nuance to that small government facility kind of culture that like when I first started watching Parks and Rec I was like oh my god like (laughs) yeah they're like pheasants painted on the walls they're like the decor in the show is so so great it's so midwest 90s like you can tell it's like a building that hasn't been updated there are like all these murals of terrible like Native American massacres which like also if you're from a small town Mm -hmm. in America like, there's a good chance that, like, the, you know, the shirt I'm wearing today has, like, the Canal River on it, which yeah. is a native word. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, just this this atrocity, this, like, genocide is constantly being referenced in small-town America. Yeah, Leslie, like, and you know with our history, it's very hard not to be offensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, there, it comes up in the show so much in such a smart way that I, I think that's another part that is really appealing not just to like small towners but I think just to Americans in general is part of why it was such a hit is this like so many aspects of American life is reflected in the show mm-hmm. in such a smart but also funny way yes yeah. yes and small town life too I love it so much because there are these things that like only people in the town get and outsiders don't get like little Sebastian his miniature pony that everyone in Pawnee is like obsessed with even Ron he's a miniature horse yeah (laughs) and Ron like when you see him he's like waving and like giggling (laughs) and like loves little Sebastian so much and uh, Ben the Adam Scott character Mm -hmm. comes in and he's like I don't get it. It's just a little horse. Like, what <laughs> is the big deal here? And Ron's like, son, that horse has an honorary degree from Notre Dame. <laughs> and, yeah, I can think of, like, four or five examples from my hometown. That yes, are like, but they're just things that yeah. are, like, so uh, so, so resonant important. in a small town yeah. that, like, don't translate outside of it. <laughs> yeah, it, it does such a good job of creating that sense of character yes bye bye Lil sebastian was our closing song at our wedding yes it was (laughs) (laughs) bye bye Lil sebastian yes miss you in saddest (laughs) fashion so this gets to um like recurring jokes Mm -hmm. Lil sebastian is a recurring joke yes the the native american imagery and like characters keep coming back um, mm-hmm. as kind of recurring characters for recurring jokes. 
or to tell recurring jokes. Like, the characters themselves are not painted right, as jokes. Right, right. Um, but, like, just the fact that they, like, live on these, like, battlegrounds yeah. and, like, everything they do. Like, there's this gazebo that yeah. Leslie is trying to save that someone rich in the town wants to tear down. And the story of the gazebo is that it's, like, a Wamapoke uh-huh. man and a white woman who want to get married, and they have this secret ceremony, but then everyone dies. Like, <laughs> yeah. at the end, it's just like there's this massacre and everyone's murdered. There's and a it's this romantic it. Pawnee story. Yeah. Like, how everyone was massacred. There's a... this is The show is also doing... Um, kind of the same thing that the office is doing with the cinematography and this like mockumentary style and um with this example there's a like a portrait on the wall that leslie is talking in front of and at first all you can see is the gazebo itself with the two people on it getting married and then um when she says and it ended with everyone dying. The camera pulls out really fast, mm-hmm. like zooms out very quickly, and you see like on either side of the gazebo are charging like, cavalry is yeah, about to collide. Yeah, like carrying like guns and spears and axes and like bayonets and like it's it's very funny in a way that is also kind in of in a dark, distinctly American way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and I don't actually know how the show is received by, like, Native groups or Native people. I don't I know don't if either. it's, like, um, if they like it or, I don't know. Probably. That'd be something that I'd be interested in learning about. But, yeah, the, sh- the show does recurring jokes very well, too. And it was on TV for, like, seven seasons, I think. A little longer than it should have been maybe but maybe yeah i really like the way it wrapped up yeah okay i was just bawling like a baby the past few episodes like oh it was so intense i remember so this show also has a very like jim and pam sam and diane kind of sitcom will they won't they love story and it's with leslie's character and adam scott's character ben um so in the second season, we're kind of coasting and everything's great. And then uh, it turns out we don't have a budget anymore because the city's been spending money irresponsibly. So two state auditors have to come in and basically the government gets shut down, which this season would have aired like 2010-11. So mm-hmm. like during the actual American government shutdown right, right. that went on for at that time, it was, like, the longest government shutdown, but we've had longer since then, which mm-hmm. is a very cool. <laughs> My cat is now just staring at me. <laughs> April Ludgate style. <laughs> I'm going to take a picture. April Ludgate, we should say, yes. is a character on Parks and Rec who um, is just, like, very sarcastic and deadpan. Yes. And sometimes when Erwin is staring, it reminds me of April Ludgate. Yeah. My best friend told me that um <laughs> told me when I when she was trying to get me to watch the show for the first time that she thinks I'm kind of an April. I don't know that I don't I agree. think you are at all. I think you're more of an Anne. Oh, interesting. Uh-huh. Okay. Who do you think you are? I don't know. I think that I'd like to be an April, but I'm like mm-hmm. I don't know. I actually have no idea. Eddie, my husband, is definitely, I see some Ben, I see some Chris, and I see some Andy, all in Eddie. Yeah. Like, he's like... Eddie's like a well-rounded dude. Yeah, because he's kind of like a puppy, like Andy. Like, Uh he'll, like, get excited and goofy and, like, spontaneous. He's, like, Mm -hmm. really into budgeting, like Ben, like Uh the Adam Scott character. Like, really into Excel. I'm like, oh, break evens? Those are fun, you know? Uh Yeah. (laughs) And then also, like, weirdly, like, motivational and into fitness like Chris the Rob Lowe character and wears dry fit everywhere yeah (laughs) he's like the perfect combination of all three yeah (laughs) wow that's very cool I also want to when when I started watching The Office there's a it's an early episode it might be like the second or third episode when Michael Scott's character is talking to the camera about like who everyone is in the office and he's like that person is kind of like the Chandler of the office and this person is kind of like the Rachel and this person is the Phoebe Mm -hmm. and I'm kind of and so it's doing this really funny smart thing where like 
people like you and I who are watching these shows are like, oh, you know, like, I'm an Anne, or I'm, you know, he's a, he's an Andy, mm-hmm. or whatever, and then the character in the show is also doing that, and it's, yes, it's this very, like, self-reflexive TV thing. I love TV that is, like, talking about itself yeah yeah they even do a thing later on when a lot of them have like transitioned out of that job and done different things Mm -hmm. where tom like writes a self-help book about like who are you are you a jerry are you a leslie are like he like makes that a thing like as part of his self-help book yeah (laughs) like for personality types it's everybody that was in the office or in their parks and recreation office but yeah yeah yeah, so the show also has really good background characters. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom is kind of a background character. Ish. He I straddles mean, a line. Yeah. Like, everybody who's in that, like, main office are, like, pretty pretty central, yeah. I'd say. Yeah. But in terms of, like, the main character arcs, yeah, I guess yeah. he's a background character. But, but yeah, Tom Haverford. <laughs> yeah, he, like, has changed his name that comes up in, like, the second season. And then he's, like, no one with a Muslim-sounding name It does well in politics. And it's, like, the year t- 2009 when the show is airing. And so Leslie's, like, what about Barack Obama? And then he, like, cuts her off and he's, like, okay, I didn't know Barack Obama was going to become, like, <laughs> the president. I didn't know a dude named Barack Obama was going to become president. There's also, like, a fantastic joke where there's, like, the perfumer of the town. Oh, yeah. Dennis Feinstein. Who's played by Jason Manzoukas. Yes. Yeah. And he's, like, such a good background character, too. But it's, like, his, like, yeah, his name was, um, like, something really, like, sexy and snazzy. Like, you'd think would be, like, a perfumer's name. I'm trying to remember what it was. Like, Guy Fazaz. Yeah. I'd like to look that up. But then he was like, yeah, he changed it to Dennis Feinstein because that sounds more exotic and (laughs) pawny. Dante Fierro. Yes, Dante Fierro. (laughs) He changed it to Dennis Feinstein because that's more exotic and pawny. Dante Fierro's... Like, right? Like, it just is so funny. This is starting a trend in the Mike Schur universe where I actually wonder if Megan Amram was a writer on this show. I think she was. There's a there's a writer who is also on The Good Place who's, like, notorious for puns. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, like, names are very good on Parks and Rec and The Good Place. I think more so than The Office, right? Like, The I think Office so doesn't too. have, like... Yeah. Like there's a there's a an alias on the good place called Zach Pizzazz. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a lot of like really good names and names for stuff and like food puns. Yeah, that appear in these shows that I think make it especially attractive to. I guess I'm thinking like when I first started getting into the show one of my coworkers at the writing center at WVU was telling me about it. And so it was a very like English majory show because mm, everyone mm-hmm. was like, Oh, the puns and like all these cool wordplay things that go on in the show. Yeah. Um, but it's also still like a popular show. Like it's not alienating to no, people. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> Leave perfumery to the real men. <laughs> when Tom's trying to like, yeah. pitch his perfume to Dennis Feinstein. Yeah. So good. It's very funny. Um, yeah, there's a couple episodes in particular that I think are really good, um, examples of, like, what the show can do. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking one is the, the snake hole, or the snake Snake hole lounge. The snake juice episode. Yes, that's such a good episode. They all get, like, super drunk on this liqueur that Tom has invented called snake juice. Yeah, Tom is kind of this, like wanna be Mark Cuban. I think yes. he specifically name drops Mark Cuban like seven times. He does. Um yeah. And it's basically just like rubbing alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> like but it's, it's awful. like it but it's good like everybody likes the taste of it. So it's like a coffee liqueur oh. with like tons of other like alcohols mixed in and like Splenda and just like yeah. all this sugar and alcohol. But I it's was like gonna say maybe like a pre white claw situation. No, it sounds like it's like really dense and like yeah. almost like Bailey's with a bunch of shit added to oh, it, wow. is what it sounds like. 
So, um, and even Ron likes it. Yeah. Which is funny. Everyone gets super Everyone drunk. Everyone gets so drunk. And it's like so halfway, cute. Halfway through the episode, there's this series of talking heads where every cast member is talking to the camera yeah. and they're just really, really drunk. Plus, it's like, I didn't even do it once. She said every time. I didn't even say, I didn't even do it once. And, and Anne's then, like, I don't have to tell you or, or you or that bitch over there. <laughs> and then there's one, like, April just speaks Spanish really fast yes, at the camera. Yes. Um, and Ron sings a song. Ron is just dancing. dancing. with, like, April's, like, cute little widow hat on his yeah. head. <laughs> and then, um... Ben is just Ben is just like ba, trying ba, to tell, <laughs> just trying to tell a story and just laughing at his own jokes. Like it's a very it's so good. Um, yeah, it uses like the confines of an episode really well, mm-hmm. and it like um, I don't know. It's a really funny episode. It ends with Jerry being strapped to the top of a car. Yes, and um, I think that's the episode where Anne and Leslie get in a huge fight. Because Leslie wants um, Anne to interview for a job. Yeah, that is the episode. Um, In the government. Yeah. Yeah, for like the health services department because Anne is a nurse. Uh And Anne like isn't really into like reading all night and like interviewing and doing all the stuff Leslie wants her to do. So they get in this huge fight. And um, it's just really funny when they're really drunk. Yeah, it's very... It's like, no offense, but I don't remember you having a nursing degree in feeling. <laughs> offense, that was rude. <laughs> I I feel like the first time I watched that, I was like, oh, no. It just feels like a very good representation of what a best friend fight, fight would be like. in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah it's the fact so that true. They're like screaming at each other in the bathroom, and women are walking in and out, and they just like don't notice. At yeah, all. yeah. Um, there's another earlier episode in that same season, I think, or the the season before, where Ben has just come to town, and Ben is all like, "I'm gonna slash the budget," or he he's being very pragmatic about the fact that the city doesn't have any money, and uh, Leslie gets really drunk at the Snake Hole Lounge. Um, and just like yells at Ben basically, and I was thinking of that episode oh, that too episode? because yeah, um, it's another one where she and Anne both get really drunk, mm-hmm. and Anne makes out with Rob Lowe's character Chris. Yes, and Leslie yells at Ben. Uh huh. And uh, but that's another good one. Yeah, that's like an early Leslie Ben episode, and yeah. that's kind of where the um the big will they won't they tension is mm-hmm. in the show. And I remember being very smitten by this whole storyline. Yeah, me too. For the, like, three seasons that it goes on. And it's a little bit different from the Jim and Pam one, because I think that, like, Jim and Pam was so much of The Office from the beginning. Yeah. So you're so invested in that, and then when it falls off, you're just kind of like, eh, okay. But Parks and Rec built, and you started getting invested in all these characters, then you have this arc, like, pretty yeah. late, like, in the middle of the whole show. Yeah. And then, like, when it resolves, like, you're still invested in the characters. Like, so it led you in, then mm-hmm. you have, like, your big will they, won't they, then it led you out. Like, the will yeah. they, won't they wasn't the whole It wasn't thing. the whole show, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Ben and Chris, those two characters from the state, get introduced at the end of the second season. Yeah. And then I think in season six is when Leslie and Ben get married. Mm-hmm. So it it is kind of like the middle portion of the show, but there's right. other stuff going on in the show that's equally interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they get together for a while, too, before they... So, like, you know... Yeah. Same with Jim and Pam. But, yeah. yeah. There's, like... And this is a real thing in the government. Like, um, the superiors and their subordinates can't have romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. And so... Like, Ben is Leslie's boss in the mm-hmm. show. Yeah. And so when they have a romantic relationship, like, one of them has to quit. There's also, a, just thinking about, like, government stuff, there's a point in season three or whatever, the sneak hole episode, where um, Tom sends out an email to everyone in the government to try to get them to come to the snake hole lounge, which is a bar that he has shares in. Mm-hmm. He's a share owner. And, or a stock owner, I don't know. And he has to, like, quit his job in the government because he's using his government to make 
personal profit. Right. And right. I remember after the the most current presidential election, someone tweeting, "Hey, Donald Trump, do you remember that episode where Tom has to has to quit <laughs> the government because he he sent an email? Yeah, or he like sell, had to sell his shares in the snake hole lounge because he was profiting off of it, or it's." Yeah, yeah, that's a whole nother note, but yeah, but yeah, I like the show a lot. <laughs> I do too. I love it. Oh my gosh, it's so good. I think part of what makes it very good is these relationships between people. Absolutely. Um, kind of how the office was. I feel like with every iteration of the Mike Sure Greg Daniels universe, we're kind of solidifying things a little more. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Parks and Rec didn't make the will they won't they thing the whole show. The Good Place, like, I actually, I don't know, I'm not really on the Eleanor Cheney train. I didn't see any chemistry between them at all. Yeah, I really don't either. I'm glad you agree with this. There's, like, a whole yeah, world of, of us on Twitter who are like, stop trying to make this happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, they don't, it would, I don't know, I'm not, this isn't a Good Place podcast, but I disagree with the choices to try to make them a couple. But the show, when you think of The Good Place, you're not thinking about that character pairing at no. all. And I don't think you are with Parks and Rec either. I don't think so either. Yeah. yeah. I, I like, I really like the Leslie and Ron friendship. Yeah. It's a really rich one because they disagree so vehemently ideologically, mm-hmm. but like respect each other as people so much. And that like just deepens throughout the whole show. And then a little bit of a spoiler toward the end of the show, they're in this big feud. Yes, I'd forgotten about this. It really bothered me, like, when we came into that season, because, like, he walks her down the aisle. Like, when she gets married, they have this, like, very, very, like, close friendship. And then they have this feud where, like, they don't even talk anymore. And you think that it's just because he left the government, he's trying to um, build this new complex where Anne's house used to be. So Anne had moved out of Pawnee at that point. Anne's house was like a pretty central like place in the show. There were always like parties there. Like it was also next to the pit. Yes. And the pit was what her and Anne's whole friendship was based off of Mm -hmm. because Anne came and she wanted this pit by her house to be filled in. Yeah. Um, Andy, who is dating Anne at the beginning of the show, falls in the pit and breaks both of his legs. Yeah. And has a wonderful song. Like, (laughs) I fell in the pit. You fell in the pit. Andy's songs are so consistently funny. So good. Um, But... Yeah, so, like, way later in the show, Ron is, like, a developer. He's in mm-hmm. private enterprise. He's working to, like, tear down Ian's house. And so uh, Leslie gets really, really mad. But she's also left that part of the government at this mm-hmm. point and moved on. And you see through the development when they finally do talk that Ron actually left because Leslie slowly took all of the people out of the office and brought them with her. And you don't think of Ron as being like a super sentimental person because he has jokes throughout where he's just like, yeah, uh, best friend I ever had, this man I never talked to. We still (laughs) never talk sometimes, never learned his name. Like he kind of like gets off on being this person who doesn't need anyone, but really underneath that he's a big softy and really cares about everybody in the office. So He's also um, deeply libertarian. Yes. So whenever it comes to like government stuff, he's like, just slash it to the ground. Yeah. Like we don't need it. <laughs> yeah. It kind of cracks me up because my dad always says like, show me a libertarian. I'll show you someone who works in the government. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like Sarah Ron Swanson's character. Yeah. <laughs> but um, their relationship just is really interesting because he does care so much about all of these people and I think she's the only one who sees that but at Mm -hmm. this point in her career she doesn't see that yeah and I think there's like a point where he's about to ask her for a job and they're supposed to go to lunch or something and she forgets and like flies out and stands him up yeah and so that's actually like the point of the feud yeah I remember when they come out of the feud they're oh my like, God, what? Buddy by Willie Nelson yes. is playing. Tears are streaming down my face. <laughs> it's just like, oh my God. They're like locked in the office together and yeah. not allowed to leave. Because everyone locks them in. Yeah. And you come back and it's like 12 hours later 
And, like, they're both in footy pajamas somehow. They're wearing, like, sweatpants of, like, people's clothes that were in the office. I think, like, Craig's, like, yoga outfit. Oh, because they had turned the sprinklers on at some point and, like, soaked their clothes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And Ron is, like, playing the saxophone. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, like, a wild, wild scene. Um, Another super funny storyline is that Ron is this, like, gruff libertarian government employee by day and his Duke Silver, (laughs) this, like, saucy saxophone player by night. And has, like, all the ladies in town, like, pining after him. Yes. But they don't know his real identity because he wears a fedora and sunglasses and only plays in like the next town over in oh, Eagleton. Yes, yes Eagleton. And, and having a next town over is also like super relatable. Oh, for sure, for sure. Mine wasn't the next town over; it was like the north side of my hometown. Mm-hmm. But same deal. <laughs> Where like you're never as good as the next town over. The Eagletonians. Yes, they're like wealthy and they have like palm trees or whatever. Like it's yeah, yeah. There's a lot of good characters, and I think that that's what... I don't know. I'm trying to pin down, like, what makes this show something that people... Because this is a show that people, like, return to. Yeah, Eddie and I rewatch it all the time. It's Eddie's favorite uh, show to rewatch, for sure. Yeah. Um, it was mine for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. One of mine, too. I get, like... A little bit sick of rewatching that in the office lately. Yeah. Like, and Eddie really likes to keep returning to them. But then I remind myself, like, I introduced him to both of those shows. Sure. And so I've seen them, like, probably each episode, like, four to five more times than he has. Yeah. So he might be in his, like, prime rewatching time right now. And I'm just kind of like, okay. Like... Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I definitely did reach a point where I was, like, not finding the jokes funny anymore because I had heard them so many times and I was just seeing through the TV-ness of it to, mm-hmm. like, what the people are doing. Like, I saw the actors' motions a little bit, mm-hmm. um, which is, like, a thing that happens when you watch the same 20-minute episode, like, 10 times. Right. But I revisited a few, a little bit, a few episodes lately, and it's it's good. It's it good. holds up, man. Yeah. It really does. It really does. Yeah. I mean, even, like, your fatigue with any rewatching it's like not the fault of the show <laughs> no it's not it's the fact that i put it on in grad school so while, many times yeah like <laughs> while i was working i would have it on in the background yeah i probably watched it like a dozen times when we were in school for three years yeah. like that's my yeah, fault for sure <laughs> yeah for sure it's your fault it's never parks and rec's it's fault it's never parks and rec's fault <laughs> yeah it's a fun show it's uh it's kind of next in the lineage of Mike Schur, NBC sitcoms. It is. Yeah. Well, I can't go without this being said, because yes. when we talk about a person being exactly like a character, I don't think that I've ever known a person who's as much like a character as my friend Rachel is Leslie Nope. Uh, yes. She is 100% <laughs> Leslie Nope. It is ridiculous. I kind like, of feel a little bit Leslie in the fact that I kind of take charge of conversations a little bit. Um, but Rachel is like to her bones. She just is Leslie yes. Nope. Like she's the kind of person who's like, I'm just going to stay up all night and like make this family a children's book before I get on a plane at 6 a.m. Like yeah. I'm going to like... Or... At your wedding, she was, like, bossing you and Eddie around of, like, where to take your pictures, and I forget what was... I wasn't there for it, but you've related to me, but, like... She just completely, like, took control in a way that I needed, and she knew I needed, because Mm -hmm. I didn't want to make decisions. I had, like, a perfect, wonderful time. I was not stressed at all, because I picked her up from the airport, and she just did everything. Yeah. And it was just... Wonderful. Yeah. And Sarah kind of did that for your bachelorette, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I was blessed 100%. But, yeah, she also worked for Ellis Island for the, a national park. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, Leslie Nope just, like, cares so much and so yeah. deeply for everyone around her in, like, a way that Rachel does, too, where it's just, like, if she's in, she's all in. Yeah. I think that's kind of a distinct difference between the show and The Office and that, like, in The Office, there's not this heart that's kind of pulling everyone together. It's mm-hmm. just kind of a workplace, and they spend a lot of time together, and so, like, you know, proximity equals 
liking people, I guess. Yes. But Leslie really goes out of her way to, like, create events or to give people presents. She's, like, a notoriously wonderful gift giver. Mm -hmm. She, like, cares very deeply about April's future and her career that she's building in the parks department Mm -hmm. and she's kind of the heart of the show she's the anchor that kind of brings everyone together Mm -hmm. there's a great line where like she's written a book about Pawnee that she wrote herself about (laughs) the history of Pawnee from memory it's like 900 pages yeah and then she like writes notes like personalized notes to everyone and April gets her she's like oh my god this is like nine pages (laughs) and Leslie's like I started thinking about you as a woman and I just got carried away (laughs) (laughs) she also has like headshots of women political figures Madeline Albright Hillary Clinton yeah um she meets Michelle Obama during the show she meets Joe Biden she's like famously obsessed with Joe Biden yeah that's a cool thing that happens in the show where like when they started they weren't sure if they were going to get picked up for a second season because Mm -hmm. like the writer's strike and the number like it's hard to tell what your numbers are during a writer's strike yeah um I think John McCain, yeah. too, comes in. She's, like, in the coat room crying, yeah. like, in Washington, D.C., and he walks in, and he's like, oh, sorry, and she's not turned around, so she doesn't see who it is. She's like, can I have some privacy here? Like, he's like, oh, God, yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, the show just, like, stayed on TV long enough that it established itself as this, like, government, warm-hearted, like, kind of pro-local government and government mm-hmm. structure show to the point that, like, People from the government were like, I would love to do a cameo. Yeah. Or the show reached out to them to do a cameo and they were like, hell yeah. Like, so there's an episode where they go to DC and, um, yeah, they, they meet all these people. Mm -hmm. They meet, I don't remember Michelle Obama being on the show. Was that the DC episode? No, that's a different episode. I think it's later. Okay. Yeah. Cause in the DC episode, there's, I think there is Madeline Albright, maybe, there are Joe couple, Biden, uh-huh. John McCain. Uh-huh. The Joe Biden one is so funny too, because she always like describes yeah. her person like perfect man is like George Clooney's mind and Joe Biden's <laughs> body. And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then it it happens and she meets him and she just kind of like holds on to his hands while like a security officer is like pushing her yeah, away. Yeah, yeah. It's very yeah, a Secret <laughs> Service guy, I guess. Yeah. Um, She's like, you guys protect him. <laughs> that is, what is it? That's precious, precious cargo. cargo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's very. It's just so good. It's very warm, like warm. It is. I have like a warm, homey feeling. I also love the representation of cops on the show. Yeah. Like, they're so funny. There's, like, a cop party where they're all having, like, pizza and beer and stuff. And then, like, Tammy. Oh, my God. We haven't talked about Ron and Tammy. So, Ron has two ex-wives, both named Tammy. And his mom is named Tammy. And his mom is Tamara, but she goes by Tammy. (laughs) What's your point? (laughs) But his second ex-wife, Tammy, is his wife in real life. Yes. Which is awesome. Megan Mullally. Yes. And his first wife is played by Patricia Clarkson. Yes. Yes. Who is terrifying in everything she does. (laughs) You know, like, you have some bad chicken and then you never want to eat chicken again. Tammy is my blonde chicken. <laughs> it's like, oh and then you meet her and it's Patricia Clarkson. Yes. <laughs> she's terrifying. Yeah, she's awesome. But um, the cop episode, like, so his second ex-wife, Tammy, him and Tammy getting like a little bit of like a tiff uh-huh. where they're yelling at each other. And then like eight cops come in and they're like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? And they like bring it up. It's like, yeah, altercation between of a domestic nature between a mid forties male like, and then they all they're like all doing are giving these talking like this, heads, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> they're they all giving give like these... their synopsis, and they all end with real piece of work, real, real piece, piece of work. work. <laughs> it's yeah the the show has a real fondness for like characters within government. Yes, and Tammy too notoriously works at the library mm-hmm. which is like for some reason the enemy of everyone, everyone else in the show hates the library yeah even though leslie's very well read and likes to read everyone hates She's the like, library don't go to the library yeah. <laughs> apparently everyone who works at the library is a snob yeah which and a little promiscuous <laughs> shall we say yeah i got your eyebrow wax <laughs> and i was like i don't know that that's gonna pick up on gonna that. translate <laughs> yeah i don't like to use the s word so sex Yes. No. 
Oh, slutty. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't like that word. It makes no, me feel weird. No, I don't like that word either. So I like promiscuous. Promiscuous, suggestive. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't what <laughs> sex. Whale tail, whale tail alert. Yes. <laughs> I I like how that. There's two other things I really like in that episode. One is that Ben is very, very afraid of cops. Mm-hmm. And he has a talking head where he's like, no, I. why would I be afraid of cops? I've never done anything wrong. I've never be- broken the law. Because, because I'm, I'm terrified. Afraid of cops. <laughs> and, like, every scene he's in with a police officer, he's just like, uh, uh, uh. He, like, he has no. <laughs> Brings up 9-11. Just like, <laughs> <Yeah>. wait, what? <laughs> he's like, thank you for your service. And the guy's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Um, you know what's, what I really like? Calzones. It's like, what's wrong with this kid? <laughs> That's another recurring joke is Ben's love of calzones, which I grew up in a small town that has a DP dough in it, so I love calzones. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone in Pot- Pawnee like, thinks it's so garbage. It's like, what? Cal- calzones rule, but... Yeah. And when Ben's super depressed and he has this idea, well, he like makes his claymation video and then he has an idea of opening <laughs> up a low cal, calzone zone. Yes. <laughs> a healthy calzone option. Yes. And Chris is like, that's a fantastic idea. That is literally the, the worst, worst idea I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Rob Lowe's character is this like typically very supportive person. And then during Ben's depressive episode, he's just like, this isn't working at all. Yeah. Like, this is terrible. You're depressed. You're wearing Doc Martens. Your hair doesn't have that usual bounce. <laughs> He's wearing the letters from Cleo. His like depre- Ben's depression episode or depression outfit is distinctly perfect. Yes. Yeah. It's like distinctly my depression outfit. Also, um, but yeah. What the other thing I like in that? You might be Ben. I think I might be Ben. I yeah. said Anne because you're so much like kinder and warmer than April. Yeah, I don't see I'm April more in you at all. Than April. Yeah. yeah, there's a there's a line where April is going to a beauty pageant and she says, "I didn't win, but at least I didn't have to make any friends," which really speaks to my anxiety. Where it's like, but I not didn't really... have to talk to anyone. Like, it I doesn't didn't... come from a place of anxiety with her, though, no. either. And you, yeah. like, care about and love having friends. I do, yes. I think you... I have a lot of FOMO where April is like, literally, please don't ever invite me to anything. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think you're like, a Ben. I might be a Ben, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense now. I work really hard on these projects, and then it's like four seconds of something, and I'm like, how is this not better? And you have that like kind of like dry, like funny Ben Wyatt kind of humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm also really into games. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, you're Ben! <laughs> I'm a Ben. Okay. Okay, I'm glad we've identified that in the conversation. This is really exciting, too, it is. because I had a huge crush on Adam. Like, I went into Adam Scott's body of work after seeing Parks and Rec. I watched yeah. a lot of, like, indie movies with, with Adam Scott. Oh, Nice. I'm glad who we figured I? this out. I still don't know who I am. You might be a little bit of a Leslie. Is there, like, a perkier... You're, like, a smarter Andy. And uh, a not as... I don't think I'm, like, as, like bouncy as Andy though no I do like you really to are just a Janet <laughs> just you have a good Janet and a bad Janet and a disco Janet in you and I don't think that character has been created yet in Parks I guess and Rec not. yeah I guess not there is I there's a little bit of an analog between characters in every show mm-hmm. like Jim is very much a Ben mm-hmm. is very much a cheaty mm-hmm. um April is very much, uh, oh, I don't know that she actually, Angela, Angela is very much an April, is an Eleanor, maybe. I could see that. Yeah, there's, there's a little bit of a carryover from, where, it's not even like, uh, we're ripping off characters from this other show that we did, it's just, we're filling an archetype. Yes, Um, yes. And so this is like the brainy guy. Right, Um, right. I think that's the most consistent character Mm -hmm. through the show's. I don't know. I have to think about who you are more. Yeah. I just love how it emerged that you were Ben Wyatt and that was so right. I wasn't expecting it, but I feel like it's right. I, I feel like it it's is. a good one. Yeah. yeah. I want to be... Are you maybe a Retta? Or a Donna? I don't think so, because like, I don't like shopping. I don't okay. like any of the things Donna likes. You're not a Tom. 
Yeah, I don't think I'm anything like Tom and Donna because, like, yeah, I don't really like any of the things they like. You're or, not like, a Jerry at all. People love you. I think I aspire to be a Ron, but I'm not really. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, tertiary characters. Mm-hmm. You don't scream enough to be Billy Eichner, who is... I can't remember his character. Craig. Craig, Oh, yeah. my gosh. I love the I Craig love character Craig, so much. Billy Eichner also kind of got a leg up on this show. Mm-hmm. He already had Billy He's on, on the street. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he, he got kind of a bigger platform in the show um i'm samantha in the boardroom miranda in the bedroom i know it's not ideal but it's who i am (laughs) this is amanda she's amazing and she drove me here (laughs) (laughs) i love billy eichner a lot he got cast as timon in the new lion king the live action lion king and it was it was just a really good like casting of that of that movie i haven't seen it i don't know what it's like but Mm -hmm. um Beyonce is Nala, Donald Glover, the hottest man alive is Simba. Yes. Um, James Earl Jones is still Mufasa, because who else <laughs> could ever do it? Um, yeah, but Billy Eichner plays Timon. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Billy on the Street? Uh, parts, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's yeah. just him yelling at people in Which New York. Which is amazing. There's a really funny clip where he tries to interview this woman, and she is just like having none of it. And he yells something after her as she's crossing the street. And she turns around and she's like, what? And he just says something. And she's like, honey, I don't have time for this. I have kids. I got to do my nails. Like, she, <laughs> And she just like just gives him the sass and then walks away. And he's just like, oh, no. <laughs> it's like the one time you see him quiet. Um, he just got school. Yeah. Yeah, so the show um, starts in this parks department. Um, they go through a government shutdown. They do the Harvest Festival, which is the a really Harvest fun Festival. series of episodes. That's so good. That's also the series of episodes where Ben and Leslie really like first get it on. Yeah. And like kiss on screen for the first time, or I guess for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone is like at home cheering for them. Yeah. Um, and then they're like hiding their love and oh, it's like a really good like happy goopy mm-hmm. and then tom petty's american girl plays oh it's so good and i always think of this line she says i wanted the harvest festival to be my love letter to pawnee yeah but it's turning into this text that says let's see other people <laughs> <laughs> but like i love that idea of like a project or something being a love letter to a place yeah. i loved that idea and i was like mm, what would my love letter to rant tool be mm. probably a book yeah, I think the show is kind of a love letter to small towns. It is, yeah, and it, I think that's why it like makes you think like that. Yeah, for sure. I I think of I don't know that this is true, but it feels like one of the first shows that was really like trying to. This this can't be true because TV executives know exactly who their audiences is, audiences like at any time. So you know. Um, but it feels like one of the first shows in a line of shows that is kind of like targeting this small town audience and not like a city audience. I think Schitt's Creek is a good follow up to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, most most shows are set in this like anti space where mm-hmm. it's like it's not quite urban, but it's not quite rural, but it's not quite suburban. It has elements of all of these things. Mm-hmm. And Parks and Rec is like distinctly small town. It is, yeah. And there's something that I really struggle with in it because there's part of me that wants to be home and mm-hmm. never wants to be anywhere else. Yeah. But then there's another part of me that feels like I can't do what I want to do at home. Yeah. And I think that you see Leslie's character, like there's a jarring episode where like there's that um, quote like engraved in a statue put up and it's like, Pawnee, why would anyone live anywhere else? And mm-hmm. it's when she's thinking about moving away. To Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for a job. So it's it's a really, like, heart-wrenching question for me because, like, how do you, like, love a place so much and you're not allowed to be there? Well, not allowed, yeah. but, like, but you do the longer you're away, too. You feel like a bit of an exile. Mm-hmm. And, like, you can't really comment on it anymore because you're not part of it. You're not, like, going to that restaurant every day to eat anymore. You're not. Yeah. It's just... 
it's a hard feeling, but Pawnee really brings that out in me too. Yeah. I had a a new kind of love for small towns when I first started watching the show. Yeah. I was like it's really nice it to is. see like affection toward these places. Mm-hmm. And to see like the diner, like the breakfast diner with the waffle special. Yes. Um be treated with a certain kind of profundity and respect and also humor, but like there's an underlying foundation of respect there. Mm-hmm. That's Leslie's my favorite customer. I bet you say that to all the girls. No, you really are my favorite. Just last year, you spent a thousand dollars on waffles alone. <laughs> and then she's like, "Oh, we don't have to talk about that." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Leslie's character is very good. Amy Poehler kind of did Parks and Rec, and then did Inside Out, and then has just been producing shit ever since then. Did like produced Broad City. Produced Russian Doll, this um, mm-hmm. Netflix show. Which is very good. It, very good. Joanne and I just finished watching that a few weeks ago. Mm. Um, yeah, so I feel like Amy Poehler just, like, did her time, got a name for herself, and then just kind of, like, I just want to produce stuff. I just want to, like, help develop stuff. Yeah. And I'm so happy for her. Yes. But, yeah, Absolutely. she's really the heart of the show. She is. She really is. Have I already said that I... I have started basing my work attire off of her in the no, show. But that's a really great rubric. Like a blazer over a dress. Yeah. Over leggings. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I have one blazer, but I'm going to get more. Perfect. I have a couple like that my mom gave me, but I like never wear them. I always feel like dumb wearing them. I do too. And I know that I shouldn't. I'm a 32-year-old woman who works in a big office. Uh-huh. Like... If I don't wear a blazer, who would? Yeah. But I just Other feel like it's, do. like, antithetical to, like, who I am or something. So I'm just like, just put on a sweater and snuggle. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't... I wear very cozy clothes to the office. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to, like, gradually phase myself out of my bad, ill-fitting office clothes into better, ill-fitting office clothes. Yeah, I'd like to as well. Like, I do, but I don't, though. Because I also yeah. don't want to be, like, an office person. So I feel yeah. like it's like my last stand being oh, like, okay. I'm doing this for now. Someday I'm going to be a novelist sitting in my house in a big comfy sweater like this. Yeah. <laughs> so. Or like like at my last job, I never needed to wear slacks a lot. Like mm-hmm. it was jeans friendly and now it's like not jeans friendly. And so every Friday when we can wear jeans, I'm just like, oh, I'm living like I'm my most comfortable right now. And I don't know, I just want to feel more comfortable at work. But also, I'm like, I just want to, like, teach and wear jeans every day. Yeah. Yeah. Although I like my job now. Good. Very good. It's really hard to, it's impossibly difficult Mm -hmm. to find a job. Mm -hmm. I feel very existential when I'm, when I was looking for jobs. I was just like, why do I need this in order to, like, be alive right now? What is my purpose? (laughs) Do I... I found, I was cleaning out my hutch the other day, and I found, like, a slip of paper from the local Marianos. It's like, we're now hiring. And I was like, oh, yeah, remember when I was looking at jobs in grocery stores? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. It happens quick. It happens. But that's the thing that, like, you feel watching Parks and Rec, too, is that, like, Leslie is so passionate. She is so yes. incredibly passionate about what she does. Yes. That you just, like, you're like, shit. What I want to that? find What's my that parks department. Yeah. yeah, I want my parks department. Yeah. <laughs> and she's in a position where she needs a lot of people around her. Yeah. And so she's she... She's incredibly extroverted. Yes. Like Rachel. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, Rachel's like super easy to talk to. I'm not like... She's like your classic yes. extrovert. I'm not like... I'm pretty outgoing, but I find if I'm just like in a room with someone it's like kind of hard to break into a new conversation with a new person yes but Rachel yes. was just like so how are you what are you doing and I was just like oh me <laughs> but yeah Leslie definitely needs to be like surrounded by people and so for her to be like deputy director over all these other people is a very good fit for her mm-hmm. in her position yes. and the fact that she can like coordinate putting people together yeah, that's a specialized skill. Yeah. It really is. Like, 
I'm an introvert in that I draw energy from being by myself. Yes. And my energy gets depleted when I have to be extroverted for too long. Yes. But I can be extroverted and I enjoy it. I enjoy social interaction. Yes. But only for a time and then I need to recharge. Same. Mostly I would just like to have a job where I like worked on a farm and like wrote by myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then like did social things. You're a real Emily Dickinson. True. Yeah. Yeah. But she was, uh, she was all inside. Yeah. I need some interaction. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just, I don't know that, like, human beings were meant to do what we're doing. I don't think so. And I don't think we've ironed out how to do it. I don't think so. <laughs> Offices are weird. Offices are weird. Any other person rec thoughts? Any, like, context we need to give? Or, like, I feel like everyone who listens to the show has seen Parks and Rec before. Probably, and if they haven't, I hope we've piqued your interest enough to go yeah. and uh, have a gander because it's a, it's a gem. It really is. It's a really great show. It's very much of its time, too. Like, it came on the year after Obama, Obama. was elected, mm-hmm. and it went off the year before Obama stopped being president. And so it's very much like an Obama era. Government is great. Everything is going well. Like, not everything went well during the Obama era, mm-hmm. but, like, it was this very, like, hopeful, hopeful. show. Yep. I was just about to say hope. In this hopeful era, in this, like, the government is here to help us, and these are what social services do, and mm-hmm. these are what taxes do, and, like, it was it was kind of a show that was trying to, like, disseminate this idea of what a government does to the mass audience, and right. I think it... I think in a way it was effective, but then like what immediately followed it might indicate otherwise. I don't know. It's hard to say. I feel like we kind of need a Parks and Rec now. We do. We do. But the show that we got after uh, the current president is The Good Place, which is all just about like how to be a good person, which is also... Also necessary. A necessary show. Mm -hmm. So For sure. Distinctly less... It's probably still very American, but it's not set in, like, an American small town. So. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for talking about Parks and Rec with me. Yeah, thank you. Um, and thank you for listening. And if you want to find us, you can find us on Instagram at loiteringpod or send us an email at loiteringpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we will talk to you next week. Sure will. Bye. Bye.